0: Sayshura, the Music Explorers podcast. All right, welcome to Shura the Music Explorers podcast. I am, as always, Scoot Magoo. I'm Elaine, and we are bringing back, um, depending on which albums each of us choose, our favorite slash least favorite segment on Shura it's our album dare and our album dare. Uh, I I I don't know if we've ever had like one that I've been like, oh
1: fuck you, Scott. Okay, that like,
0: is not true. Animal Collective.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, like, I I don't I don't count that because that that was like a long long time ago. Yeah, in the galaxy true. far far away. <laughs> uh, da na, na,
0: na, na. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um. um but but yeah. yeah, I mean, the whole the whole point, as I'm sure you can imagine, is we pick. An album that we like that the other person has not heard and and preferably a band that they really haven't explored much at all mm. and just dare them to listen to it and see what they think the results have always been interesting and I think yeah. this time around uh, Per usual a kind of a subtle tradition is we try to pick two albums that could not be farther apart <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that's very much the case this time around so the album I picked uh, I just went through the, I've been keeping track of the vinyl I've been listening to while we've all been you know inside, hanging out. And yeah. I picked two because I thought they were both definitely albums that um, Elaine had not listened to, and I wanted them to, uh, to pick one. And Elaine picked uh, Earth E by The Satisfaction. Um, they're a band that I think I found through needle drop it just was a really interesting album cover and when he reviewed it mm. um it just it popped out to me wow. the description popped i just out realized to me. sorry i but I, I i
1: just realized that the 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 font for that album cover is like the same as the wolf mother font
0: <laughs> yeah it re- it is yeah and i i think that font's cool i, I know the um um I knew that they had some connection to Shabazz Palaces, and listening yeah. listening back to to Blackup, that popped out to me too because I liked their their feature. They very much um, reminded me of oh, I always forget her name, but let me look it up real quick. the the, the female MC from um, blow, uh, Diggable Planets. Oh. And because they all had I, weird names. One second, I got
1: Wikipedia up. right up here. It's uh, ladybug Mecca.
0: Yeah. And at, at first I thought this was an offshoot of her, um, you know, like a, a project that she did after, you know, uh, I think Ishmael Butler started Shabazz Palaces and then she, I thought figured she started um, these satisfactions because it really had that kind of Afrofuturist uh, kind of heady abstract hip hop, but kind of like chill cool vibe that she brought to Diggable Planets, and mm. um, I ended up buying this on vinyl just because I think I found a relatively cheap copy, and it looked pretty cool. It was on trans transparent green, and it's a really, really cool album. Uh, it's one that I, I put on when I want a nice vibe. It very much has that, you know, if you love Shabazz Palaces, if you love Diggable Planets, there's a lot of overlap there. I'm really not mm. surprised that they linked up. Also because uh, The Satisfaction was actually the second hip-hop band to sign to Sub Pop. Obviously, the first being Shabazz um, Palaces. Um, Wait, I, really? They're, they're the second in the entire roster? I believe oh. so. That's what I... Because I think Clipping came after. Because I'm pretty sure... Yeah, I think that Desatisfaction the released huh. their, their first album in like 2012, and then Clipping didn't sign with Sub Pop until their self title, which came out in 2014. That's uh, interesting. And obviously, Shabazz Palaces black up came out in 2011 yeah um, which is still a fucking great album Um uh, yeah and it just it just thinks that that hasn't that hasn't continued i, uh, I mean they, they have a new one coming out i think this week if um, i remember right it came out on friday and i'm very oh. very hesitant to listen just because i don't want to get disappointed again uh, I, I thought Lessing majesty was okay and that everything else just really hasn't vibed with me yeah um, but I, i'm kind of of the same feeling yeah and and it really it really stinks that these guys. this was is their second and, and final album i'm not really sure why they broke up uh i think it just was i mean they've were kind of a private band throughout their their short career and i don't know if i've heard it, you know after the fact what they've done well just it. i mean
1: like this i mean these guys really like they did not get a lot of love yeah, like, they were really
0: it, it, underappreciated. I yeah,
1: it feels really like slept on
0: because they they fit that niche of I mean, obviously at the time Diggle Planets were um really overlooked. They've they've kind of gained a cult following over the year. Mm-hmm. And the reason I keep bringing them up is cuz I just feel like this is a contemporary more R&B take on that kind of afrofuturist lens that Thinkable planets um, took up especially on blowout comb, um, and it's it's just great music to vibe to. I I love the beats, I love the futuristic angle, um, I love how they can effort, effortlessly flow between singing and rapping and kind of a mixture of the two. Um, great great album, and I was I was interested why you picked it and what you think of it. Yeah, I um so. When I, 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 so
1: I just, I turned, when I turned this on, uh, like last week, so it was probably like Tuesday or Wednesday of last week. Uh, and so I put on the first track, prophetic perfection and immediately I'm like, oh no, this is (laughs) another album of like, you know, too smart for its own good, pretentious as hell, fake woke, you know, abstract hip hop that's trying to sell me on some sort of message uh, thankfully, I was very, very wrong. <laughs> uh, I actually really enjoyed this. I Good. This was, like, sur- it was surprising how much I enjoyed it. Like I, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting to, like, hate this thing even going into it. But, like, it, it was, like, it's basically, like, I mean, I, I, I don't want to pigeonhole, you know, a group like this. Because I think there's more to their sound. But, like, it really feels like if Shabazz Palaces went for an R and B album, yeah, exactly. Um, which I mean, it, again, makes sense because they, they they just worked so closely together. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, like, I I think there's more um, overlap between the two artists than we think. Like, I yeah, I, I, and
0: uh Ishmael's on this um, on this. Yeah, he has a guest I mean, verse.
1: Yeah, he he has. I mean, he, I I definitely heard him on here. But I was thinking, just even in production, like it. it it was very very reminiscent of like you know Black Up.
0: Yeah, for um, sure, absolutely.
1: So yeah, no, I I it was really interesting. um You know, again going into it, I was kind of worried by like you know the, the like song titles like No GMO and things <laughs> like that. I'm like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> like please 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 don't please please don't shove something down my throat. Like like I I just want to have some mellow vibes and like thankfully that is what we were given is yeah. some very nice mellow vibes like it doesn't say that there isn't an underlying message to it yeah because i think i think there is but i think there's enough abstraction with uh how they rap and sort of uh you know sort of their lyricism that it creates this nice balance that you know if you choose to dive deeper you can get rewarded that way or if you just want to you know chill with some nice vibes and you know smoke up a little (laughs)
0: 420 after all so that that is Um, such a great way to put it because obviously you know there's i mean it's the same with um with digible planets same with shabazz palaces there's more there that you can dive into if you want to but just the production mm -hmm. is so refreshing and just laid back and it, it, it's so well done and the way that they flow is is you know kind of complements it so well you don't have to like i i always go to and this is an extreme example i go to the immortal technique example where it's just nothing but like intense political hip-hop over like low like really not high quality production and the production isn't great so you just have no choice but to listen to the lyrics and if you're not into that message it's kind of okay well I, I don't want this and I, I feel like abstract hip-hop you, you have to find a you have to find a middle ground.
1: Um, yeah um, I, I mean I, I think it really depends because like you know I, I I'm sometimes able to overlook a lot of that stuff uh, like it, it really like uh, for example, maybe it's not a great example, but uh Raekwon's only built for Cuban links mm-hmm. um, like the opening track for that really sets the tone is like, You know kind of that 90s like sort of hip-hop aesthetic of like we're forced on the streets in a way and we're trying to get better Mm -hmm. um and like you know i i feel like you can really listen to that within the context of that album but Mm -hmm. it's also just a pretty awesome hip-hop album
0: so yeah exactly you know um, i think that's the most important thing like obviously to some degree every hip-hop album is about you know delivering a message i mean it's a very lyrical yeah. genre but I mean, you, if it's not i, I feel fun... like
1: you could you could make that case for art i think in general because it's all about communicating some, some sort of
0: message but for sure uh, yeah, when you have, uh, like, whether
1: the... that message gets received i think is another argument so
0: yeah and if you have just these you know dense lyrical as is the case with um like look at asap rock for example he he mm. is very lyrical essentially he's like a walking thesaurus but his beats have always been fun and interesting and quirky, as quirky as his personality. So it works. Mm. And you, you know, like we said, you can choose to dive into the music or you can not. You can just yeah. choose to enjoy the beats, enjoy kind of the the, the fun, zany lyricism. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. So to bring the conversation back to, uh, to the satisfaction, though, I, again, just really enjoy the fuck out of this. It was a lot of fun. I uh I tried to put it on today, but I forgot that my uh for some reason my Apple Music was on shuffle, so I didn't I don't I don't know if I got through all of it or not. <laughs> uh, but I still enjoy what I listen to. Um, you know I, I it really sucks that these guys didn't get more attention because I I I think they deserve it. Like you know. <sighs> even though they they're very very similar to shabazz palaces like shabazz has like a sound that is like unparalleled i think in like modern hip-hop like i cannot think of another act that even comes close to what they do yeah for sure so i feel like to have someone else in that niche is really cool um and just you know again sucks that it didn't uh get more attention also i i think it's there's two things i want to point out um one is that it's sort of how well they're able to blend hip hop and soul and like R&B. Yep. Because usually like it, it feels like a lot of artists who try to do this kind of land on one side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, like The Weeknd, for example, like, you know, I, I feel like there are times he tries to do kind of a hip hop thing, but he always is firmly on the R&B side of things. Whereas like, you know, like The Satisfaction feels like they're directly on the fence. It's a really cool vibe that they give off. That just like, you know, things might break into verse, or it might, you know, they might start singing. Like I, I, and I think that's really cool. Um, second is that I, I don't know if you noticed it, but I the, the, that their rapping is very um like, or at least I, I felt for for a good part of the song, very like early early hip hop kind of rapping, where it's it's you know a very standard flow. Mm-hmm. um I, I don't know if you noticed that it's yeah like you know like it's sort of that tribe called quest we're gonna do this then we're gonna do that you know uh a, a cool willie style you know <laughs> yeah absolutely
0: you know very much again it reminds me a lot of diggable planets i think those uh re- yeah. references oh, are also very on the point
1: the the first diggable planets album is just so like so traditional hip-hop verses it is, yeah. But, but 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 it's, like, really enjoyable. So I, I, I brought this up because I always thought that you had, a, like, a little bit of a thing against that type of verse, uh, that, that type of, like, uh, rap structure. Um, and it's just funny to see it show up here, and you'd be like, yeah, this is a chill album.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, the production. Are they saying something interesting? Um, and it's... I don't know if I could point to any specifics, but to me, it just works, and in other examples, mm. it doesn't. Plus, I'd say some some other good examples of that. Um, I, I think with low end theory, which is kind of especially mm. where that issue comes up, I feel like the beats are also very one dimensional. I think Midnight Marauders is much better. So that yeah. also that. And with um, uh, Three Feet High and Rising, Tale of Soul, that's another instance of where that had a lot of trouble with that. And I think the fa- there's a lot of really long goofy or really more corny skits on that so the the beginning of that fucking album then yeah so i I think for me it's it's a combination of things and it just really it clicks here i think it fits their production i agree i love how they're able to seamlessly blend um soul r&b hip-hop um and i think especially because you know personally I, i know this isn't universal I feel like Shabazz Palaces has obviously Diggle Planets is you know long gone at this point. Mm. Shabazz Palaces for me is kind of faltered, um, and I, I don't know. Like having, having like you said, another artist, another voice in this very niche genre was awesome. And the fact that they only after two albums called it a day for whatever reason um but in some ways it makes it special like i think i'll always return to this specific album um i like their first one but i think they really came into their own with with this one and mm. uh yeah i guess i'm just really glad that you you liked it yeah uh, i
1: mean it's like they you know there are some great tracks And it's fetch uh the the uh, i definitely like i love the beats on a lot of the tracks just um like sort of the like sort of the, the boom bap ish type of snares that they get yeah um, like I, I love, I love when I when I can get like a really like a good like hi hat type of or you know like that the the, the bat part of the boom bap if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, I was thinking I, when I, like, I'm just looking at my notes while I was listening to this, um, and I like I said that it's it sort of sounds like a little bit of like Flying Lotus slash Thundercat, maybe a little bit of like Janelle Monet. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But I, I see I'm not really familiar with Janelle Monet except for the, the her latest album. Um, but I always this is actually kind of what I always pictured Janelle Monet's music is sounding like um, because you know it like I feel like this album perfectly encapsulates what afrofuturism is in a sense um, or at least one one facet of it. And so, like you know, I I, I really I, I think I just need to listen to the Arc Android at some point.
0: Um, yeah, I have not. I I, yeah. I would say Janelle Monae is is a is more on the popular end of the spectrum, but I think they definitely yeah. have some some similar some overlap some similar vibes. Yeah. So
1: yeah, like, awesome awesome pick. Um, I was actually going to listen to the other album too, but I just totally totally fudged it this week. So.
0: no that's that's fine i mean it's uh yeah
1: yeah it it wasn't part of it but i kind of wanted to show up and be like oh
0: hey scott i got a surprise for you (laughs) (laughs) and then you're like why didn't you listen to all the albums from uh the band that you dared me um to listen to which was (laughs) ministry uh
1: yes the industrial (laughs) band ministry i i i thought that you were going to keep going no the, and the, then the, i uh, that was
0: my attempt at a segue which which clearly oh. clearly was a segue without wheels <laughs> well, be,
1: be, so since, since we've since we've had numerous technical issues over the last few episodes oh I wasn't no sure, yeah you know, I, I i wasn't <laughs> sure whether you oh, were just waking up and i was like oh no like like oh, already th- this early in
0: that's you, uh, you're thinking like oh my god did he just cut <laughs> out
1: yeah like am, am i am i stepping all over what are you saying right now um uh, <laughs> So yeah, I, I dared Scott to listen to Ministry's Psalm sixty nine, uh, which is, I, I I guess I don't even know how to pronounce it, but it's like you know all these random Greek letters, um, yeah. But it's mostly known as Psalm sixty nine. I I I actually asked you to listen to it because I I had this on my um, like on my desk to uh last week, uh because I was planning to listen to it because it's been like a I, I think it was. No, so, so uh, Oliver from Deep Cuts has started doing more videos again um, and he did like five albums to get you into industrial uh-huh. and uh, Ministry's Land of Rape and Honey was on there um, and it just got me thinking about Psalm 69 again because I really love that album that was like a big album for me in high school actually out, out of all things uh, I think it, I think I got that I think I got turned on to Ministry from Marilyn Manson actually if you can believe that
0: i can see that um, yeah for sure
1: yeah i i it, th- th- i mean i'm almost embarrassed to even mention this that like because I, I i've read his uh memoir like two or three times i think
0: <laughs> yeah i borrowed it from you and it, it was it was really yeah. interesting yeah because obviously but, unfortunately he gets typecast in a certain way in, in kind oh, of yeah. public media but he's a smart guy oh yeah i
1: know he's, he's an interesting dude um you know, but I, I think he name dropped ministry at one point in the book and I was like, Huh, I gotta look that up. Yeah. And uh yeah, and so the this was like my first ministry listen and I just I mean, I enjoyed the fuck out of this from like pretty much the moment I got it. I remember I remember like quoting uh the uh the, the opening track NWO like for like a uh a writing project I had to do back in high school and stuff like that, which <laughs> was you know, peak peak angsty high schooler. So like it's so like you 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 know I got my ministry references I got my Nine Nails references you know all that great stuff so <laughs> uh, but you have never really delved too far into ministry right? I don't think at all right
0: which is interesting because one of my first um, I would say the first genre that I really was exposed to more extreme versions of metal was industrial metal I mean my dad had. Um, 9 Inch Nails had Mudder by Romstein. he had um, oh god yes I he, love that album he had Antichrist Superstar he had um, your,
1: your dad had Antichrist
0: Superstar? I know he's he's such an interesting dude like yeah the more uh, the, the, I, just, more, just, the yeah. more than more of my friends find out about him they're like who even is your dad? Like, <laughs> it's very is, interesting Scott Scott is, is your dad Batman? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't think so um, I, I
1: mean the, 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 not 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 like you know, uh, like long Halloween era Batman. I'm talking about like after Bane breaks his back, uh, like that that type of like, like broken down, depressed Batman. Is is, is are, are you sure? I just
0: I'm just I just want to make sure that that I might see. I'll have to ask him about it. Yeah, um, <laughs> but he also had you know, like you mentioned, he had uh, several um, Night of CDs. I'm trying to find the one... Oh, uh Broken. It was an EP that yeah, I listened to a lot, and I really. That's, really, really like that one. Yeah, like, that, that, that's a great little uh, little record. I, I I actually haven't listened to that in a long time. It was uh, fun. Like I really, I really, yeah. I loved the way that opinion uh, uh, flowed into wish. The you know the, mm. the you know the intro into the the first track. But for some reason, uh, just never you know never listened to Ministry. Uh, they're obviously. I mean, I I know they exist. I know that they've taken on a. Uh, uh, quite a political slant, yeah, <laughs> well, or, or rather a more a more overt and more specific political slant in recent years. Uh, I, I
1: mean, to, to be fair, Psalm sixty nine is is pretty political. Yeah, that's I mean, why. But, uh, like you know, NWO is like you know peak like you know Gulf War like Bush era you know yeah. nonsense in a way for sure. Um, I think I
0: was I was saying the they really. Oh, the, I, I mean yeah, I was they, trying they've to be gone st- off the fucking deep end. Yeah, I was honestly. trying to be subtle that they've become like like they've gone all in on the anti-Trump stuff, which I mean,
1: you know. Oh, I, not even anti I mean I I'm not ta- even thinking about what when when Bush was was back, like like oh, that's Bush true. Bush Jr. Bush 2. Uh yeah, but bu- Bush 2 the re <laughs> The re um, The re <laughs> Uh yeah, the, the like cuz I think if I remember right, Rio Grande Blood was like pretty um on the nose in its references against the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have not listened to that album. So, but yeah, they, I mean, they, and it's all like, again, I I don't think there's anything inherently bad about talking about politics in your music. Like if that's what inspires you, but
0: man, it has taken a toll on the quality of their music. Yeah. If, if it's, uh, you know, it, it, it has to do with the delivery, you know, for example, like all the, you know obviously you know not, not a big donald trump fan i'll, I'll admit it but yeah like the, but but the, i don't think that's a you know the unique opinion but like for, I,
1: I, yeah not really an unpopular opinion yeah, nowadays. But,
0: but a lot of the like very specific uh anti-trump songs are just like dead on arrival like they are they're dated on arrival like they're just so Wait, is, like, is is there a cafefi song n- probably <laughs> but like like my favorite is YG who's uh you're kind of an, an... Oh right right he he FDT Yeah fuck that. and yeah. it's just it, it's his you know it's a nice anthem I suppose if if you're you want to get hyped up against you know good old H- Donnie hating another human being Yeah but but it's just it's it's so <laughs> it's just so like like so, it's always tough when songs are just so clearly a product of their time, like older rap that references references things. And you're like, wow, that's like this is so yeah.
1: old. Or, or, or um, like, uh, oh, what was that song? "Ronnie Tucked to Russia" by uh, by Prince. Oh yeah. Before it's too late. Before it's too late. <laughs> Ronnie tucked to Russia. Before it's too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think just just to add on before we move on to just Psalm 69 in general, but I, I, I think when your like I think when your rage or like you know I, I I think when your content in like is so vast that you forget the form that it takes that, that that's where I think a lot of like political music falters is that it's so focused on the message that it forgets that it's there's there's music to to be had, there's art to be made. Yeah. exactly. Uh, which, which is why like I, I think like Rage Against the Machine is, is a great band because they, they really had like a very nice balance between the two. Absolutely. Like, they they knew how to write like a really funky beat, but then also put a lot into what they were doing. So uh, anyway, so Psalm sixty nine, this is their fifth album,
0: yeah. So um and, and not they had kind of an interesting reversal. Like usually bands, you know, you could say I mean, this is a general thing. They start heavy and become softer, but they went from like um, like synth pop to industrial, right? Or maybe not synth. Yeah. Pop. So yeah, the, no. The, 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 their first album was supposedly very synth poppy.
1: I actually have their second album, Twitch, which is like firmly in the, like the EBM camp of things, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know very industrial. Like it's it's not exactly industrial, but it's sort of within the umbrella genre that is industrial. Yeah. Music. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think it's out of the realm for bands to do that, like a Depeche Mode came to my mind that yeah, like, that's a good they, stopped, they stopped, our, they started off as basically like a synth pop boy band yeah, and then, and then they turn into just like a
0: bunch of awesome badasses. Yeah. So. I, I remember that when, mm-hmm. um, cause my parents didn't have, I think they might've had Violator, but. They had mainly collections of songs for Depeche Mode, and listening to it, I was like, well, "Who even is yeah. this band?" Like, I know it,
1: It's so weird. You'd
0: hear, um, uh, ev- uh, you know, everything counts and uh, just can't get enough, and then you'd oh. hear people are people, which is a little bit darker, and then you hear like blasphemous rumors. It's like, wow, this <laughs> is like all over the place, too. Yeah, but
1: I, well, okay. Have you ever heard the song? It's called um, uh, "What's Your Name." It, it, it's off of their first album, Speak and Spell. Uh, I don't think so, actually. It's okay. So, so I, I, I'm just going to say the chorus because I like I, I actually genuinely love the song, even though I think Martin Gore is like gone on record that he fucking hates it. <laughs> but uh, the chorus is, uh, "Oh, you're such a pretty boy. Oh, you're such a pretty boy. Oh, you're such a pretty boy. You're so pretty. Oh, <laughs> no. Yikes. Hey, you're such a pretty boy. Yeah. Big um, yikes. Oh, yeah. No, no. It, it, it's it's like as, as trashy New Wave as you can get and it's it's an awesome song. I love it. Like <laughs> I, I genuinely love that song. Uh, but, anyway, so, let, let's talk about Psalm 69. Let's talk about your thoughts on Psalm 69. Yeah, we're really taking a winding path to get here. Um, I, I mean, that's fine with me, but I'm actually really curious to see what you think about this because I, I felt like you could be on either side um, depending I don't know. Just talk, I guess. (laughs) Um,
0: I liked it. Uh, I I would say that I would probably pick like a Rammstein album or a Nine Inch Nails album over this if I wanted that kind of vintage industrial metal from my youth. But I definitely Mm like this. I think what I really appreciated was that they kind of, they they had a fun... I guess, like, a sense of humor about their music that isn't super prevalent in industrial metal. Like, I feel like they mm-hmm. had a little bit of a more... I mean, obviously, there's some intense um, themes here and messages here, but... Yeah. You know, like, like I, Jesus Built Are, My Hot Rod, I, for I, example. I knew you were going to bring that like that, that track up. That was a really fun song. I, I wrote down, like, what if Primus made industrial metal because I, I got some less Claypool vibes from the vocals well, and the way it was obscured. So.
1: Yeah, so Gibby Haynes from uh, Butthole Surfers is just oh, the vocals on okay. that album. That that actually which, makes sense. Yeah, which I don't know, like they've always reminded me a little bit of Primus. Yeah, to a certain extent, just in terms of how fucking weird they are.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: um,
0: um, but actually, you mentioned the vocals. That that's that's one of the broader notes I wanted to bring up. Uh, it was interesting how they weren't. I guess they were kind of a non-factor. Like they 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 weren't yeah. bad by any means, and they fit the music and they worked. But you know, when you think of industrial metal of this time, like uh, why am I blanking? The lead singer of of Ramstein, Lin- oh yeah, L- Tillman, uh, right?
1: Handeman? no, Linneman, I think.
0: Oh god! Yeah, but I—I I, I feel like such an ass now. Uh, Till Lindemann. Till Lindemann, yeah. Like obviously yeah. he has that really strong German voice, and that—that's a very dominant part of their music. And obviously Trent Reznor, his delivery, huge part of Nine Inch Nails. I mean, Marilyn Manson goes without saying—he's yeah. the front man. It was interesting how it just the vocals on Psalm 6 down were just kind of—they were another instrument. They were just a part. Of the well, music, and I, I, I don't think that was a good or bad thing. It was just something interesting I noticed that for the genre I'm used to having, like the vocals kind of be this powerful force over these driving riffs and driving industrial themes, that just wasn't the case here. And it actually yeah, didn't I, wasn't an issue. I,
1: I, I think that like you know, I, I mean, you should. I, this is probably not really noticeable in the first track, NWO, that the the vocals are mixed pretty low. Yeah, all things considered, um, like you, you can barely hear Al Jorgensen over everything. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. I, I I feel like it works out really well. Like, yeah. especially it, it, his vocals in NWO. I, I love them a lot because it's just like the, they sound monstrous. Uh, like in the way they're subdued, it just, yeah. Like, like it really adds, it makes the track feel like a cohesive experience rather than like the singer just riding on top of all this. Yeah.
0: Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I totally, totally did not see it as a negative at all i just like as you know the more t- i listen to this you know i say three or four times uh and it was interesting to me where i was like i really don't notice the vocals and it doesn't like i don't really have a i don't know It was just it was interesting and i, I think th- th-
1: there are some cases where i think it's a little more obvious like uh i think parts of hero but definitely yeah. tv2 um you know just what, what what was it you know put on the goddamn
0: box you know or, or
1: <laughs> whatever he's saying oh no i'm sorry C- connect the goddamn dots that's what i'm thinking of
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, and so something else i really liked about this album is i felt like in addition to being having a bit more of a sense of humor being a little bit more fun than other industrial metal albums from this this time i felt like it was a bit more varied like tv2 and hero were almost thrash inspired in a way. Like oh, yeah. not not like full bore, yeah. but they definitely the riffing and the pace. Um I think I used to know the the like how to play parts of hero. Yeah, I mean Method they're Day. both really fun songs. Uh there were um a lot of points of comparison I could make I think Just One Fix reminded me a lot of romstein but a little rawr. um yeah. Psalm 69 Reminded me of both Rob Zombie and the Melvins, and this is an interesting opinion. Uh, <laughs> Buzzo from the Melvins and Rob Zombie—I think their voices sound very similar. i um, never thought about Rob, Melvins and Rob Zombie in the same sentence. Like, <laughs> like when, when Rob Zombie does his deep delivery, I think it. it you know, and listening to Buzzo, vice versa, their vocals are really. Um, huh. I don't know. They—they just—I find a comparison there. That's uh, funny. But yeah, I'll say, I mean, like, you know, I liked New World Order. Uh, I would say overall, I liked, at least liked every track. I I didn't really like Scarecrow. I thought it dragged on a little bit too yeah. long for me. But I will say I loved, loved, loved Corrosion. Corrosion was just this really intense, loud, noisy song. And I'm curious, I want to ask you, did they have an album that's more like more brash? I really liked that they had... They kind of let loose with their industrial, the industrial part of their sound. And you know?
1: um, I am not totally sure my my time. I, I don't haven't really gone into Ministry a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to own um, the mind is a terrible thing to taste, which is the album that precedes this one. Um, that was more. It felt like it was a little more EBM E in in some points. Um, I I think there's a little more industrial sometimes there like um, the track Thieves I think is really there but I'm trying to remember I think Test the the track Test off of that album is is pretty like hard balls to the wall industrial Um, you know but I'm not really that familiar with all of their stuff but mostly because like I've heard very varied things about stuff like after like Basically, after some since now, like, I've heard, like, things about Filth Big, even though I think that, that that's their best uh rated album, if I remember right. But I, I just, I don't know, I really do want to check that out at some point. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think the only reason I bought Twitch was because I was, like, really digging some EBM. Yeah. And that that was, like, the the least expensive EBM album that was at Bull at hey, the time. there you go. So, which, I mean, it's a good album. I like it. But um, like Land of Rape and Honey, which is usually remembered like as their best. Um, like I've I've never listened to that. I've always wanted to, but I've just never gone through with it. I don't, I don't know why. I think it's just because like I I just like Psalm 69 so much. <laughs> I think it's just such a it, it's it's just a it's just a great listen for me, especially like um, just NWO like really makes this song so, like, like makes the album like just so cool like just it fucking, like, it's such a blistering opening. Mm-hmm. And just, like, even though it's, um, like, I think of, like, how, I, I don't know if you remember that, that, like, it sort of takes a while for it to build up. Yeah. Really, like, for, like, the st- song to really start. But I kind of like that. And I, I like, I, I, I like all the, um, all the samples that are used in it. Mm-hmm. And, like, even, even the, uh, the, that snippet by, of, uh, George Bush Sr., um, I guess it isn't. He's not senior because they have different middle names. But um yeah, a Herbert Walker Bush. Um you know, that that whole NWO speech. Um like I I just thought it was really well placed and things like that. Um yeah, I I just I I, I fucking love this album. So, I but probably my biggest complaint with it is the final track Grace. um uh, because it it I I think it's literally just a cut up of all the other songs. Yeah, that, that and I, I, I felt that, like, it, it, and it like it's cool in a way, but I, I think like it, it feels like it runs
0: on a little, maybe a little too long. Yeah, and also I mean maybe that explains um, to me. It felt like the album kind of just ended. Like mm. I mean obviously every album it just that's how it goes. But one minute it was on, and then I was like, wait a second, did is it over? Because like I just it didn't feel like as as, yeah, as it, epic it, or as it, it, fitting it's a finale. An odd end. Yeah,
1: but you know, l- l- like from what I can remember from other ones, like I always remember the mind is a terrible thing to taste was was an odd listen as well. That it always felt like it took a long time to get over with, and like I never really knew where I was going throughout all of it as well. Um, so I, but maybe it's just kind of like something that Ministry does, something that Albert Jorgensen is is just very known for. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, there was something else I wanted to say, too, and I do not remember it. Um, yeah, oh, I I guess the, the sampling, again, is really interesting. Apparently, uh, Jorgensen was really inspired by, uh, William S. Burroughs's cut-up technique. Um, uh, you know, and, like, basically was, you know, like, like, wanted to take that and apply that to music. Uh, which is really not too revolutionary when you really think about it, all things considered. But it's kind of an interesting pull, I think. Yeah, you that's know, interesting. To, yeah, because I think, you know, like, this this came out in 92, so, like, hip-hop was already well underway, you know, and, like, you know, old-school hip-hop was just, you know, pulling straight from, like, soul records and stuff like that. And, you know, so, so you, you've kind of got that, like, DJ culture already going on. But then Al Jorgensen just fucking shows up and he's like, "Oh yeah, hey, I'm, I'm I I I take influence from the guy who wrote Naked Lunch,"
0: <laughs> just like
1: which I mean is a very Jorgensen, like it it, it fits the band very well, um, especially with um, the the subtitle of this album, yeah, you know, the the way to succeed and the way to suck eggs, <laughs> which I I, I I don't know if you've noticed the uh, the the whole wordplay on that. The, the, the way to suck seed. And the way to suck eggs. Psalm 69.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: well, Yeah, I know. That's I, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, it, it, it is, that. It's okay. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> I was like, I think I got...
0: Oh, no, I get it. <laughs> oh, man,
1: that's crazy. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's just... Yeah, like, I, I've never found that particularly funny. Um... Even though I am, I have a very juvenile sense of humor, <laughs> I'll totally admit, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, uh,
0: I mean, I think th- if it's a silver lining, a suck eggs will always be hilarious. Yeah, like, oh, so yeah. Like, why don't you suck eggs? Like, she's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what did you just tell me to do? It, it, it's, it's what, it's like,
1: I, I don't know, why is it so funny? Is it just because it's so bizarre?
0: Yeah, it's like, wait, like, like... My favorite one, this is from... Uh, what, it's, it's, let me
1: see. The whole suck a bag of dicks. No. From, uh, from Louis C.K.'s thing. Yeah. Um,
0: but my favorite is... I forget what episode or what the context was, but um, Stewie tells someone to suck a railroad spike. <laughs> and different family guy and that's like that's something i'll say periodically in more like Jesus fucking <laughs> <laughs> Like, i'm marrying you why <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, i gotta find where it's from because it's just it's it was so random and so, like so <laughs> like incredibly aggressive <laughs> um yeah i i i i like
1: when uh when family guy does that like um uh, just when Peter, like, I was just like, "Oh, you, you, you gonna buy a bolt and shut that trap of yours?" <laughs> just, it's like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, I'm trying. To, I'm looking this up now. It's from Family Guy viewer mail number one, which I don't. I isn't that the? Um,
0: That's what the they, one... they do like the three little. Uh, yeah, where yeah. You know,
1: like Peter, Peter wishes he didn't have any bones. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah <laughs> yeah i don't remember i don't really remember where that uh oh okay it no it, so, so it's a little segment where where they get superpowers um oh okay yeah and stewie's trying to steal something oh when he, he oh yeah he tells him to go suck a railroad spike
0: <laughs> and then he like really keeps throwing him against the wall like when he tries to take the candy bar yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> just that little deviation. <laughs> Family Guy is, an, is is an important part of this show. Absolutely. I would argue. I, absolutely,
0: uh, I've been uh, I've been missing it on Netflix. Yeah, so like, long we, now.
1: Being, like, but my sister was trying to find it on Netflix, and I'm like, uh, it's not gonna be there. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but um, let's let's talk about some music stuff because we we still got like a good like 20 minutes left. Yeah. Um, let's just riff for a little bit on some thoughts. Uh, some thoughts that I should be having but I don't um, <laughs> because I'm just like in this strange state of mind right now so what do you have to think about right now <laughs> uh,
0: for me I <sighs> I was I was thinking about this because I saw uh heavy blog we, we, we launched a new Facebook group and there have been people posting some... Um, some fun questions here or there, and this one I thought was really interesting because it's not something that really happens a lot, and oftentimes when it happens, it's not like it's not great. Um, if you could pick someone like one band to cover another band's album in full, what would you pick? Because I feel like Ooh. I feel like in practice, like you have the Flaming Lips doing Dark Side of the Moon, Dark, Dark which, which was, was moon, you know yeah. not you know yeah, but. I feel like it doesn't happen often. You obviously people do cover songs, but doing a whole cover but album.
1: Fish Fish does a complete cover album every Halloween, but it's like a concert.
0: Oh okay, I didn't know. Um, I can't say I follow Fish that.
1: Yeah, I know, but me either. Uh, but believe me, I, I'm not. Uh, I I I like hearing Fish cover any album is not something I particularly want to listen to. Uh, nothing against the guys, just you know, jam jam band stuff is really not my thing. Um, yeah, but I. I, I I feel kind of cheap saying this answer because I think I stole it from somebody else a long time ago, but um I still think it'd be really cool to hear Tool cover Animals by Pink Floyd.
0: Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> I,
1: I, I just think like or we'd really like to have like Tool cover any album in full. I think would be really interesting. But 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 like good tool? like like good tool. Like, <laughs> like like Lateralis era tool.
0: Uh not uh you know, not chocolate chip trip era tool.
1: Yeah, not not chocolate trip <laughs> trip. God, fuck! Why would you name a song that?
0: I yeah, I saw that and I was like, that that's a joke because I think <sighs> oh that was when people um, I think someone leaked to the track list early and I was like, oh that must be fake. That's too dumb. And when when it was officially yeah. announced, I'm like, are you serious? I
1: I think it's like one of those things that like I don't think it would be as bad if Tool didn't like sort of prop themselves up as, like, this very spiritual, like, conscious sort of band. Yeah. Like, like I don't know. It, 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 like, th- think about the opposite. It would, it would be like, you know, like a pop star doing, like, a song about Nick and McKeon ethics. Like, yes. it's, it's, it's like, what? <laughs> like, whiplash <a> little? <laughs> but what, what would you choose for, like, the, um, uh for a band to cover an album? So,
0: I, I try to do something... I mean, the the most obvious one that came to mind just because I think this cover is awesome. It's whole new intensity to the you know the cover song. Uh, Carnifex on their album Hell Chose Me, um, which is still one of my favorite deathcore albums, just because it feels like like a death metal album with some core elements, not you know not the other way around. And at the end on the iTunes bon- you know the bonus version, they did a cover of Angel of Death by Slayer. And like they infused blast beats in it, and the fact that the production was so much heavier and it just was so much faster and more intense, I was like, hearing them do a full cover of that album would be awesome. Or like really, really any deathcore band because they placed the breakdowns perfectly. Like it was just it made an already heavy song all that much more heavier. But actually,
1: now that you say that, it'd be really cool to hear like any modern death metal act just take like an old slit, like maybe like Slayer's first album or like like maybe their second um i'm i'm trying to remember what what's the one with the hardening of the arteries um oh um
0: i'm not sure honestly now.
1: um yeah it, it's it's one of the it's one of the ones that that, that came before um oh i think it's hollowaytes yeah it's it, it's hollowaytes um because i just remember the the production being not great on that if i remember right um but i, I think it would be really cool to see a modern death metal band sort of you know, reinterpret like the Slayer catalog to a certain extent.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because that, that was something that, um, kind of kept me from fully embracing thrash initially. Cause I, I got into death metal first, which mm-hmm. I know is a little bit backwards for, you know, how some people get into extreme. Metal. Yeah. I mean, I I, 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 I was, I was total thrash yeah. before death metal. And for me, I just like, there were so many parts of thrash songs where it felt like it was just about to launch into like a blast beat. And then it just, it just didn't. Um, so I, oh, you know what would be cool, okay. They, they maybe not
1: like specifically like a, a band covering an album, but like, you, I mean, this is obvious for you because I'm pretty sure you've listened to these, but uh, you, you remember Pop Goes Punk, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what if they did like uh, like black metal goes death metal, or like vice versa? That'd and, be cool. And, yeah, and like maybe maybe not full albums, but like do like a compilation and like give it all to charity or something like that. Yeah, and like have like all these like all these like black metal acts cover death metal songs or vice versa. Because be I think cool. like yeah, like hearing how they would interpret those songs would be really interesting, especially just when you consider how divergent the two genres have become over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know because. You know, so many black metal acts started off as just death metal bands who then were just like, fuck this, hail Satan, you know, <laughs> let, 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 let's burn a few churches, you know. I've said that a few um, times in my life. Fuck this, hail <laughs> Satan. Um, the, 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 can, can that be under Tombstone? Yeah, fuck this, hail Satan. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying I'm going to outlive you, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, I will ensure it happens if I do happen to outlive you. So, um, I look forward I, to I, that. But, actually, I was... So, this is kind of related. I was talking to my sister the other day about, like... I I, I don't know how we got to this phrase, but I just started saying, like, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> just, just like, yum, yum, yum. I'll have me some of that. <laughs> or something like that. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I need this on my gravestone, I think. <laughs> it's just, like, yum, yum, yum. That turns me on. Thank you. <laughs> just, just, something, just something like that. Just completely out of context. <laughs> like, um... Okay, okay. The, the, this is the last little tangent, then we'll go on to music. Um, but uh, I think I've told you that, that, that my, my, my dad has, um, he recently got dental implants. Yes. So he, he, so, so he doesn't have any of his real teeth left in his mouth. So he actually has a picture of himself where the dentist took all the fake teeth out. And so it's just him smiling with his mouth open. Oh, jeez. It is the funniest Fucking thing I've ever seen, and I keep telling him every single time I think of it that that is the portrait that that is going to be like on the table at his memorial service, <laughs> like, <laughs> like because it's like you know he he would have wanted us to remember him this way. <laughs>
0: exactly. Oh, that's fucking um, funny.
1: Yeah, but again, yeah, I I think just having some sort of like pop goes punky type of like just take like two divergent genres of metal or. Like you know, and, and sort of, oh, you know what'd be really cool is it even might be even cooler is to have like do that but with metal and then like free jazz like like to, to just like pick two genres that are just completely opposite yeah and see how they interpret the other ones like it'd be really f- cool to hear like a like a a jet like a free jazz band cover like like a behemoth song like to, just trying to figure out how they would do that even
0: yeah I mean yeah. I mean. That would be amazing, just because obviously so many. I mean, maybe not with the case of Behemoth, but like Gorguts and all those like skronky, distant death metal bands that get compared yeah. to free jazz a lot. So it'd be really cool to yeah. hear them. You know exactly. It,
1: it, it, it's just interesting to hear how bands, you know, how musicians arrange certain things. That, that that's why I've always found like, uh, you know, more of. Like John Zorn's uh, second and third Masato books to be a little more interesting than the first one Mm -hmm. because he has, he's basically just giving all these compositions to random musicians and being like, do whatever the fuck you want with it. (laughs) Uh, And then then we'll record it. And so, you know, a lot of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, they end up, you know, uh, arranging it themselves. And so what comes out is just so different than you'd expect. And just the, the, the range of musicians in those lists is really cool like you know it it, it runs the gamut from like you know secret chiefs three like the uh the the offshoot of uh, mr bungle that Trey Spruance was in charge of or he still is to like uh pat metheny of all people doing an album hmm. you know yeah it's really interesting just to sort of see like that that broadness that zorn has been able to like accumulate over the years yeah um for sure yeah you
0: know, I will say the the last one that I thought would be really really cool, um, Death Grips making an album you know completely comprised of Black Flag samples, and the reason that comes up is because on X Military the song Clink, it samples Rise Above by Black Flag, and it's one of the coolest flipped samples I've heard in, in contemporary hip hop. Or- that is. Like, that would be so awesome. The way the way they do it like they they it starts out with the, um like the original like the, the guitar screech on the song and then the, yeah. like they they slow it down a little bit and just make it into this repeating looping beat. and it's just it's so See, cool. It's 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 that type of stuff that I really
1: like I have really gotten interested in like manipulating samples and things like that. That's why I actually just spent like um an unhealthy amount of money, uh, <laughs> upgrading by uh, my synthesizer a little bit. So because I got like two uh, sampling modules that both do little different things. Like one of them is actually like um, it's basically like a real to reel tape player for for your like for your rack. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so you you can actually like splice stuff like musique concrète uh, with, with just within the synthesizer system itself, which is like so fucking cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so because like just that idea of like taking these, I, I I don't know why it 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 feels like more, um, genuine, almost, than than taking like just like a regular synth sound. And mm-hmm. I I can't explain it more than that. It's it's tough to even describe. Just like I don't know. There's something about like maybe maybe we're talking about like thematics. I guess that like, you know, um. But like, like I, so I follow Andrew Huang, who's a uh, Canadian music producer uh, on YouTube, uh, and he always does a lot of these really cool videos where he'll take a sample or take like sort of like a theme of samples and make a song out of it. So like you know he once did um, like a song that was completely comprised of sampling uh, ravens, uh, just uh, out of all things. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, th- th- there was one that was like all uh, sounds that he collected while he was like on vacation in like Fort Lauderdale or something like that. You know, um, just little things like that. Like I-, I, I like that idea of being able to sort of center around this theme or center around sort of like a noise source and turn it into something else. Uh, which Death Grips is like done on like their latest album, weirdly enough. Uh, but it's really hard to tell because I, I honestly haven't been able to hear it that well, but apparently that they've earned, they referenced like a bunch of old songs in it. So, it's you cool. know, yeah. But, but then it makes me wonder, like, what if you sampled yourself and what if you only sampled yourself for the rest of like your musical career? Like, would the final album you put out just be pure mush? <laughs> because, because you've resampled the same thing over and over again yeah
0: like, you like you you draw a line in the sand and you just you obviously you're prolific enough that you could do this um yeah I mean, it'd also be interesting because you, you mentioned earlier how uh, I forget the song it was beautiful lyrical poetry at uh, the peche mode song um, oh
1: right right yeah um hey what's your name yeah whatever. But, what's your name like
0: yeah. I mean this is kind of an offshoot of that concept but if People could go back and kind of retool or like completely reinvent songs that they didn't like into you know fix them so to speak. Well, I, that
1: that that's not unheard of. Uh, th- there are bands who have like you know re-recorded entire albums. I mean, like probably the most infamous that I can think of as of late was uh, Converge's re-recording of "You Fail Me."
0: Yeah, and um,
1: I, I I know you're you're not a big fan of it,
0: <laughs> but I'm not. I thought you weren't. No, I, I mean, I just... Um, I don't know if it... I mean, it sounded different. I don't know if it sounded better. Uh, like, for example, Meshuggah did the same thing with Nothing. And there are two... There's one with an orange cover, one with a blue cover. And they... Like, one one sounds heavier and one sounds kind of rawer and a little bit more progressive in a way. So I don't know if one's inherently better than the other one. Mm. Um, but it definitely it definitely made sense from their perspective because they, they weren't happy with it. It didn't feel like a cash grab. Like, it felt genuine that converged, they just, like, weren't happy with how it sounded and they wanted to do something yeah. different. Because, you know, nowadays bands will find any, bands and labels will find any reason possible to reissue something.
1: Yeah, so. I, I, well, I guess the, the, that's different. it's different from a remaster or a reissue because you're sure. actually, like, yeah. you know, you're actually re-recording the entire entirety of the track. Yeah, for So. Sure. Uh, there's definitely something a little bit different going on, but mm. I, I just thought as what did I just think of? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I kind of hate that. What what what? Like just when your train of thought just like you know, gets totally completely derailed, yeah. yeah. And like the, the the conductor's just like screaming for mercy. <laughs> you know, it's just like, come on, where are you? Come back, please. Uh, I just think that the idea of re-recording is. It, interesting uh but you know sometimes i i I don't know whether it'd be worth it or not it'd be be like you know like if velvet underground like redid white light white heat like yeah that would
0: be
1: it would be unnecessary because i i think part of the part of what makes that album so interesting is like the lo-fi recording of it
0: yeah or like um i mean this is more to do with the the composition side but I kind of I and also it wasn't a super happy uplifting story about how it was recorded but like I was listening to uh, Captain Beefheart a uh, trap mask replica I, yeah, I yeah. a, a vinyl copy um, and it just it sounds like a record in play like it sounds like kind of a, a stamp in time from an era of like 70s you know boundless musical experimentation and like I don't know if that being re-recorded or, re- or redone or whatever. Obviously, you know it's difficult. Um
1: I mean, that that's one of those albums that I it will just never be replicated. I think. Yeah. Because because like even Beefheart after that like there's like a noticeable difference in his sound after that album. Yeah. Like it, it's it's I, I mean I I in by by which I mean it's it's like I think it's like a little more subdued. I guess it's not as balls to the wall insane. You know, and just no no references to the, you know, tin ear of
0: a cat. <laughs> <laughs> but, Fast and bulbous. <laughs> but yeah, like he, another great example is uh, like the, you know, the the early John Carpenter, like the early progressive electronic Tangerine Dream or whatever. Even when you look at John, oh. John Carpenter when he first burst on the scene, you know, even though his current stuff is very much uh, nostalgic for that period, it sounds different because obviously he's recording in, you know, the 2010s versus the the 70s. Mm. So, I, they just actually, you you can't you you can make music that's, you know, obviously a lot of pop today's referentials are to the 80s, but it doesn't have that exact 80s feel. I actually the other day I I um had a um, hankering just to put on Thriller by Michael Jackson. Okay. And it was amazing how it just it sounds like a different kind of 80s to what um, all like all the nostalgia, like well, a lot of the same the, co- songwriting and compositional ideas. Obviously, you can hear where the influence was taken, but just the, the actual production quality. The the, actual,
1: yeah, exactly. The sound the, of the production it. is very different. Exactly. Um, I think part of that. I, I think with Thriller, it's kind of a weird uh, coincidence. I don't know because of Quincy Jones being in charge of production at that time. Like yeah. I felt like he wasn't exactly pulling from like the. Cool of the modern time that like they were making this album in mm-hmm. almost, um, because go, Quincy Jones goes way back to like big band music, you yeah. Know? So, but um, oh, that's what I was thinking. Oh, well, okay. So two, one, one thought I guess, and then two more thoughts after that that are kind of related. Uh, first, firstly is um, just sort of I I, I think that eighties production that we think of it. I, I think that's more of an invention of nowadays. like like just sort of like that idea of having something just soaked in neon and just like you know synth to hell but like you know like really filtered synth uh like i i feel like that that's like that's more us looking back on the 80s than the actual 80s Mm -hmm. being it because like i i feel like the actual 80s was like pretty cheesy yeah Uh, um and i i say that with
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, mean, I yeah, think I, my parents have, or especially my dad, is like the rosiest of rose colored glasses for some of them, especially the movies that came out back then. Because some, oh, yeah. some of the 80s movies, like, I go back to Mannequin, especially. Like, Mannequin is one of the, the <laughs> worst, cheesiest movies I've seen. I,
1: I really want to watch Mannequin at it's some like point. It's like just so, like, as you watch just it. Just like, I, I love 80s cheese. Like, yeah. I, I, I enjoy it well, so. And, and like, I, I enjoy it very genuinely. Uh, like, I, for some reason, uh, I don't really, I can't explain why, but I always have, uh, Paula Abdul's Forever Your Girl in my car <laughs> to listen to. Like, it feels like every time I take it out, I end up putting it back in within like a week. <laughs> so I, I think it might just have to stay there, but it is such an enjoyable listen. Um, uh, <laughs> well, well, oh, well, so what I was going to say, um, I think it'd be, if we're talking about like bands re-recording their stuff. Um, I think it'd be really cool to see, well, either a re-recording or a modern, like, adaptation of uh, Jean-Michel Jard's Oxygen.
0: Oh, that would be interesting, yeah.
1: Yeah, because, like, you you listen to it now and it's like, yeah, this is, like, so indicative of his time, like, late 70s kind of progressive electronic music. Um, And it'd just be cool to see, you know, just what, like, with the sort of the, the increases in technology, in music technology, especially synthesis... To see how that would sound now yeah um like it with like tangerine dream i think it'd be cool kind of cool to take like some old tangerine dream albums like uh like phaedra actually is is probably the one i i'd probably change the most and just just see what it would sound like with uh you know if if it was done on like a Eurorack synth instead of like a because i think it was done on just like a regular modular system if i if i'm correct i'm not entirely sure it's kind of weird uh, at that time because like you know like the whole music cosmish movement was like i i, I want to say that you know like moog and like you know those type of companies uh were, were starting to make stuff that was already hardwired together because it was cheaper that way um but i'm not totally sure uh, but the second thing to go way back to what we were talking about with um musicians recording uh re-recording their stuff and sort of it being unnecessary i I was kind of thinking of um uh frank zappa's son dweezel uh has like an album of of just like him playing frank zappa songs oh that's cool um it's cool in a way but i just don't know like i mean to be fair i i've not listened to it so he might have like radically reinterpreted them but i i don't see why or how he could
0: i guess Okay, yeah, I, I could see it, that. I mean, you just having the idea is, of like the 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 child doing something interesting with the dad's music might be cool. But if it's really just like a a cover, then I don't. Yeah. Again, I I don't totally know.
1: I, but I mean, I see. I that's one of those things that's, is, like when you're when you're the child of a musician like that, you know, you're you're always gonna feel overshadowed. Oh yeah, for sure. By but by your you know your 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 parents' legacy. And, uh, you know, and I just don't know if making an album comprised of your parents' songs is is sort of the way to establish yourself as an artist, I guess. Maybe. I, and again, I, 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 I'm not trying to, you know, throw shade at weasel app or, you know, call him out or anything like that. I've just always wondered why um, that happens. Because, like, um Carl like Heinz Stockhausen's uh, son, I think, has, like... Is he's he's actually a classical classically trained trumpeter, um, and he's done a couple of uh, renditions of his father's like music before. So, hmm. um, I, again, I, I'm not really sure. I just think it's 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 an interesting thing to think about. A lot of the things that we talk about here aren't really things that have uh, specific answers to them, but they're just kind of food for thought.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. Um, yeah, but we're getting at like an hour uh, and five minutes. So you want to talk about albums of the week?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so my album of the week. Yeah. You know, i I would say I was even reviled by it on first listen, but it just the more I more time I spent with it, I just fell in love, and that is uh, Danzig sings Elvis.
1: What? Uh, no, I'm
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man,
1: I, I thought this was going to be a Kanye West, uh, you know, Jesus is Born type of thing going no, on. No, I just,
0: I wanted to hear your gut reaction. It was everything I, like,
1: <laughs> just like the pure
0: horror in your
1: voice. Well, it wasn't even the horror. I was just like, I, I, I was kind of hoping that it would be gone. Because I, I was legitimately looking forward to Danzig's Um And
0: then I listened to that single, and... Oh, oh, good lord. It's just, it's amazing that not only, I mean, everything about it is it's bad. But anyway, this is about good yeah. music, so... Yes. Um, I mean, if, if you were paying attention at all to music this past week, weekend, um, this album got more coverage than anything. So I'm not going to bother trying to do my usual coy introduction. Uh, my album I, of the week I, is... I actually
1: have not been
0: plagued. Like, Paying attention to a lot of music news, oh, so well. This was obviously received heaps of praise, which was you know pretty expected. It's the new Fiona Apple album. Oh, right, the Bolt Cutters. Uh, Yes, I'm a huge Fiona Apple fan. Every every time I uh, get the you know take one of her albums off my shelf, I just happen to I mean she only has four albums, so it's pretty easy to do. But whenever I take one off, I end up just listening to all of them, and this new one. You know, I'm only a few listens in, but uh, you know, I, I think it's awesome. You know, it, it's exactly what I want from a Fiona album. It's it's her most you know kind of experimental you know interesting listen you know album yet, and I can't wait to let it grow on me more. It's just it's you know her typical brand of um, piano rock with an art pop flair, and I'm just really really excited to dive even further in. Even with three listens, I feel like there's more I'm going to unpack and. Hopefully, hopefully it comes to physical media, because I think for now it's just a, a digital-only release, and I would love to own this. I own all our other albums on CD, mm. so I want to keep, keep the streak going. But yeah, it's, it's, it's in the running for me for my top albums of the year. Just a, an excellent, excellent album. I've actually never listened to a Fiona Apple, Fiona Apple album. I would guess yeah. you wouldn't like her if I'm being honest, um, just because it's I, yeah. But,
1: but like at the same time, I like Florence and the Machine. I like I like fucking Madonna, dude. Like yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I mean I, I, not,
1: I, not, not 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 to say that the two are similar, but like you know, I I'm 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 open to a range of different stuff. Yeah, if it comes. To uh, it, but... I just
0: I don't know. I mean, she she kind of she's not really folk. She's not really jazz vocal. Not really Like she just. She kind of straddles the line between a bunch of different stuff, so I'd be interested to see what your thoughts would be.
1: Yeah, we, we might have to do that in a few weeks. I yeah. Because I, I she's definitely been one arts I've been wanting to get into, mm-hmm. uh, j- just because I, I know how big of a fan you are, um, and I'm like, man, i got to try that out. So Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Would, yeah.
1: So, um, my album of the week is decidedly much more normie than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because I was just, I had on this album this week, and I, you know, I listened to it a few times before. I mean, I own it, so I've listened to it a bunch of times before. But you, you ever have that where, like, you don't, like, you like the album that you're listening to, but then one day you put it on and, like, the listen of it, just, it completely changes your experience of it? Yes. Like, for, for, for some unknown reason, like, it's just one of, like, right place, right time type of things. Th- uh, for me... That was this week. Just real, yeah.
0: real quick. Uh, yeah. For me, it was one day I thought Nirvana was, like, the greatest band ever, and the <laughs> next I was, like, I don't think this is... Like, objectively, I don't think this is bad, but, like, I really don't like this anymore. And it literally <laughs> was, like, the flip of a switch. I just happened to pull, you know, pull Nevermind off the shelf, and I was, like, wow, I, I'm... I guess I'm getting old this doesn't speak to me the same way. it's
1: fun, you know what's funny is is I did the exact same thing but with the office like the US version of the office Oh really interesting yeah, yeah I, like, I like, I was a, I was a huge fan of it and then one day just like something in my brain just like flipped the other way and I was like this might be my least favorite TV show <laughs> like I I cannot describe how much I disliked this
0: show. <laughs> it's funny, yeah it's funny I'm like um, just out of nowhere and I, I you know we could spend all day thinking of examples but yeah like yeah. that's a it's a weird thing where out of nowhere you're like where did yeah. all my love go
1: well so for, for this time, it's it this is the reverse of that oh cool that um that like I already loved this album to begin with but listening to it again really gave me a new uh you know focus on it a new found respect for it and that's um Red Medicine by Fugazi oh cool uh, which I, I think maybe because I, I remember, I think the first time I heard about Red Medicine was, was Oliver from Deep Cut's video, uh, his, uh, five albums to get you into post-hardcore. Cause I'm pretty sure Red Medicine was on that. And, uh, so I was expecting something like, you know, balls to the wall and like Fugazi is like, you know, they, they have their moments like that, but they also are capable of being very subdued. Um, and I, so I, I think I wasn't sure what I was expecting when mm-hmm. I first listened to Red Medicine but you know listening to it again like oh man it, it's such a well-crafted album just uh, like even beyond the songs themselves i'm talking about even like the track listing is like it, it just feels like each song like flows seamlessly into the next and just like it, maybe it's because i was like half asleep while i was listening to it um but just they just really worked well like like i i just really love that album and while I, I still would probably put, like, 13 songs ahead of it in my, like, you know, imaginary Fugazi, you know, best or worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I still, like, I, I have a newfound respect for this album. And it just makes me really want to listen to all Fugazi albums in order, just to see, sort of see where the band goes with this sound and like you know uh, I I, I like doing that sometimes like I've done that with Depeche Mode a few times where I've like listened to their entire discography in order and it's really cool just to see uh, you know how that sound
0: gets manipulated over time Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely That's one of my favorite things to do as well Um, I think most recently I did it with Yes and how many Yes albums do you have? Uh, I have most of their, like... What about that really bad one? I have Fragile, Close to the Edge, Tales of the Top, or gra- top of Whatever, the Ocean one, Relayer, <laughs> and Drama. So I think there's obviously a number missing in there, but the, that's the oh, bulk yeah, they, of, they, like, there's
1: Let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 albums... But do studio albums. After a
0: certain point, I mean, I like, you know, their pop era. But I don't know if I. I think I listened to the whole album once, and it wasn't my favorite. But like, I, I like Owner of a Lonely Heart.
1: Yeah,
0: nine oh one two
1: five is yeah. the album that um, has that.
0: But yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear them get like, kind of flirt with, the the scope of Frog rock, and then you know just progressively. Lol, progressively embrace, <laughs> em, em, embrace <laughs> Prague like full on. Um, yeah, and actually speaking of Fiona Apple, listening to her albums, it's a very subtle evolution from uh, just kind of a you know singer songwriter influenced by j- you know jazz vocal art pop. It just kind of very subdued, and then just slowly becoming more eccentric over time. And it, it, that's it's really rewarding and interesting to do because obviously we, we we come to artist discographies from all different angles all the time uh, so mm. it's interesting to to listen back like that for sure
1: yeah all right well that has been our episode this week and uh we will be back next week about with uh with something so we will indeed. <laughs> until then bye-bye bye-bye Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, We're on all of it. Uh, If you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you.
0: And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at at Cishore Podcast on Twitter
1: and our email I think is at podcast at gmail.com and uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.